Hello and welcome to MathSat Maths Chat. I told these three that they have faces fit for radio and that they should stick to podcasting, but no, they decided to jump to video as well. So, if you're just listening to the audio, why? Haven't you anything better to do? And also, we're sorry for any visual bits that you lose. Moreover, these three know nothing about anything. So if they're wrong, please tell them in explicit detail in the comment box below. And with that disclaimer out of the way, on with the show. Hello, 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 and welcome once again to Maths at Maths Chat. Joining me now is the mathematical Ben Parker and the maniacal Liz. How are you doing, you guys? Hello, oh. all right. Marvellous. Hello to Marvelous. all our listeners. I just, I just realised all right doesn't really match maniacal. <laughs> I should be something a bit more extreme. Oh, Thomas, right. what, a, what a wonderful time we live in. What a wonderful time we live in, okay? Teaching is about to start, and all it takes is a global pandemic to stop us having to see the students face to face. Well, the only thing is, it hasn't, we'll get on to that, Ben. We'll, right. I would say it hasn't stopped anything, according to my university. No. We'll get on to that. As the audience can see, but if you're listening to this, hello, how are our voices? Mmm, our sexy dulcet tones. But if you're looking at us, how are our sexy dulcet bodies? We have a fourth among us. How are you, Natasha? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, 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 and we do have to start off. I can't let this go. You, you have just submitted your thesis, haven't you? This is I have. wonderful, <laughs> absolutely wonderful news. Uh, and hopefully what we'll be talking about is, is some of the work from that. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, we'll get onto that a little bit later. Hey, but here's, here's, here's what I want to know. Here's what I want to know. Did you submit it on the last day you could submit it? I didn't. I always planned to do that as like a thing. But I happened to be over in Germany for a month visiting my partner who lives there now. And they had free printing in Germany and we weren't allowed in the building here. So I thought um, I either pay loads of money to get it printed here or I just do a joke. Oh, yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, well, well done. What, what's next? What's next? Um, lots of public engagement things and Brilliant. hopefully a bit more research. Yeah, oh, so tell, well, tell us a bit about the public engagement. What, what are you doing? So what I'm doing next is working with some primary schools, um, hopefully trying to get some kids to do a little bit of coding without computers. It's sort of um, an algorithm we use to solve differential equations. Um, <laughs> you're like, you're short sure differential <laughs> equations. How old? Year five, so yeah, nine, so nine you, ten year olds. Are you making a human computer? Kind of, yeah, that's the plan. That's, the I mean, plan. that's like probably the plot of a horror film. Well, I, I, think, <laughs> I think we might come back to algorithms. I was we're going to get back to analog computers. Yeah, so, so we'll put, put a pin in that. Uh, Do you know what I think the, the, the best thing about getting a PhD is, as a, as a lady, is that you get to be doctor, so you don't have to start messing around with, with all your missing Ms and Mrs. Ah, oh, this is where I, you're wrong. Some filling boxes now have doctor male doctor unfortunately they've started to separate really? out. But, wow. but it's just that as as a lady i i i have three choices miss ms or mrs and i don't like any of them um and uh, i've stuck with miss because why not um but mm. um but i always thought that doctor would just i mean you, you also have there's, there's normally reverend in there and isn't like captain yeah they, but they i'd have to become a vicar and i think probably i am morally questionable um there when it a, comes to becoming vicar i mean i'm not sure they'd have me 
there is a theatre group that I'm registered on a database, and whenever I go and collect tickets from there, they say, oh, yes, we've got, I've got tickets with you. And they say, oh, yes, here you go. It's for, it's for Dame Ben Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm registered as Dame on the that, database. That's, that's beautiful, but that's just because so I, well. I still get the tickets, but... Um, Anyway, oh, well, Natasha, that's fantastic news. No, it, it, yes, it is. well Thank done, you. Natasha. Huge, I mean, it's a huge achievement. I mean, no doubt you'll pass with flying colours. Like oh, yes, we'll, because... we'll get to the... Uh, anything great? Let, before we go to the news zone, let, how's people's lives going? Anything mathematical happened to you? Well, well we're, starting, uh, we're starting up and teaching again. Um, so most of my life now consists of sort of recording videos and, uh, you know, putting things in a way that the, the students can access it and making sure that your lectures have captions on is one of the most difficult things. Because okay. uh, this, is, this is something that's been going around Twitter now. All, everyone's starting, as you say, to record their lectures and put captions on them. And everyone's just posting how bad the automated caption, captioning software is. So uh, that's what I'm enjoying. Right. People, you know, right. there was one I saw, you know, um, I, I don't know what the actual words are. You'll have to try and guess. It was something like, uh, I'm now going to do the moist wrap. What maths was that person talking about? I don't think they even knew, but they're going to do the moist wrap. Anyway, um, YouTube, which we're broadcasting on now, has some very good transcription software. And you'll find the um, su um, uh, subtitles, closed caption bar, right next to the subscribe button. Which, which is lots of honestly you... true. Is there subtitles on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They automatically do them, yeah. Yeah, automatically. If, I, not... so if I watch like random videos, can I get subtitles? Oh, oh, let's see how... Yes, of course it is. Yes, let's see how good it is. Let's say the Blamange walked into the reverence office. Around the rugged rock, the ragged rascal ran. And then, is... and then go check, go check the captions. Though. This is YouTube gold, isn't it? You know, I was trying to, I was trying to think of a, of a tongue twister, and I can only think of dirty ones. It's terrible. <laughs> go, go for it, Liz. It will uh, boost, boost our viewership. He's not the pheasant plucker, he's the pheasant plucker's son, and he'll go on plucking pheasants till the pheasant plucking's done. Very nice. <laughs> Back, shall we go to the news zone? Yay! News, I'll try news, and news, news, Thanks. news! Sorry, I've just felt like I'm, I'm carrying the can for enthusiasm here, everyone. Yay! <laughs> Thank you! That, news, news, news! Yeah. Right. <laughs> This week, uh, we are very excited to have Natasha here to tell us about um, some work she's been doing. But before we do, should we just all say tits a few times? I, I, yes, I have no choice. Should we just get it out of the way? Because I, uh, I just think, <laughs> I'll start. Tits! Tits. Tits, 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 tits. I just thought, I think, let's, let's just park it. It's the right thing to do. When I do a talk in front of mathematicians, I just like the faces in the audience. It's terrible on Zoom because you can't see everyone's faces, but normally it's just like cracking up across the room. <laughs> Whereas you do it to ecologists, and ecologists are just like stony face. I mean, they, they've got to be laugh. doing it. They've got <laughs> um, to be doing it on purpose because all birds have rude things. Like there's the tit, there's the cock wobbler, boobies. there's the cock chafer. There's, yeah, there's boobies. <laughs> They know what they're doing. There's the shag. There's a shag. My yeah. friend did research yeah. on shag. I mean, they're all up to it. They know what they're doing. Uh, anyway, so um, so yeah, we're very excited, and uh, I took a little bit of a read about about your research. But I think I think maybe the best thing is just to let us let you tell us what it's about because it sounds phenomenally complicated to arrange. I mean, you know, even the the maths I'm sure was very exciting. But even it sounds like you had people running around the countryside. Oh yeah, yeah. The field ecologists are brilliant. So we, the, the birds are really small, so we can't fit any trackers on them, like mm -hmm. GPS trackers and things. 
So the field biologists just run around after them with binoculars, <laughs> sort of try, trying to not let them get away. It's, brilliant. yeah, they're brilliant. So, uh, so do you want to, do you want to give hazardous. us a, do you want to give us a little summary of, of what, of what your thesis was about? So we've got Voyager's Wolf Project. Oh yeah, this, so this is wolves, this isn't the birds, but it, it kind of helps because it, it moves. Um, so what we often see in animals, like these packs of wolves, is they move around like this. Uh, wolves are territorial, you know, they have aggressive fights and they... Uh, and they're highly they coloured apparently. They're highly coloured, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dragging around these colours. And you end up with this pattern that kind of looks like this. So each of these colours represents a different wolf or a group of a wolves? A different gru group of wolves. I've chosen wolves because they, they go around in groups and the birds that I look at fly around in flocks. So okay, similar, okay. they're the groups. But it's how, kind how, of how like... How many are we talking to... In, in, I, mean, I don't know if you know about the wolves, but in yours, how many are we talking to a flock? About 10 to 20. Okay, so, so hang on, a flock yeah. of wolves has 10 to 20... <laughs> 10 to 20... No, 10 to 20 twit tits in a wolf pack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll do. Yeah. So is there ever any mixing between groups of wolves? Or is it like us on sort of lockdown? We only sort of come out of our houses to breed and barbecue. <laughs> I have no idea for wolves, but uh, okay. I'd, I'd expect probably not much, actually. Uh, right. I, don't, I don't know. With, with the birds, you get very little. Uh, this part of Sheffield, it's called the Rivlin Valley, just on the edge of the Peak District. So this, is, this is our sort of study site. And the reason why I got involved in this PhD and stuff um, was because we collected some data by these field ecologists wandering around and following the birds and what they kind of noticed is that the, the flocks of birds are living separately a bit like the packs of wolves like this and you start to see these kind of patterns but they're overlapping a bit too mm. so the ecologists yeah, it's very clear them, though isn't it that they're yeah they're separate yeah uh, so they and already had this data this wasn't sort of generated by you this was they had this data what can you do with it this particular set they already had. They had a few years. They've been studying these birds for 20 years in Sheffield. Oh, so we know loads about them. So this was kind of eluding uh, the ecologists, yeah. Yeah. which is when mathematicians got involved and my supervisor, Jonathan Potts, um, decided he wanted to want to work on this and, and found me. Um, and so, yeah, we wondered what, what's going <laughs> yeah, on here. Found, like, and he found me sitting in found the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we thought, what's going on? Because they've never been seen to be having fights in the past 20 years of being observed. Um, there's nothing going on with the food. There's not like, you know, there's not a, only a small amount of food, so only one flock can survive. So we had to have a look at different kind of mechanisms mathematically mm -hmm. and try and think about what's going on. And what we found is that they're, uh, they're sort of, a, they're remembering where they've kind of seen or maybe heard other flocks in the past and they're avoiding those places. So what we did with the maths is we modeled their memory, their memory of maybe hearing another flock or seeing another flock. So, so the, it's uh, quite, it's, it's not aggression at all. It, it's really just, you know, not wanting to get into the other's way. It's you're over there. Okay, yeah. I won't, I won't. And, and is that for sort of uh, breeding food that they just sort of, you have your breeding area and food area and I'll have mine. Yeah, well, what we, we think, we found it's dependent on how related two flocks are as well. So oh, like, you know, if they've got parents and brothers and sisters and things, and, and when they go into the breeding season, these birds are really cool. They, they help each other out at nests. So they get like 75% of the nests get predated by, uh, you know, uh, jays and, and magpies and things okay. um, and once that happens a couple of times they start helping out other nests so they help out their relatives so we think it's some sort of um way of keeping relationships tight staying really in these flocks okay. 
Yeah, we've got loads of hypotheses uh, such as such as that. Um, well, Magpies really are bastards, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they really are. Well, I don't know. It's not a black and white situation. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm don't, don't, don't laugh at him. It only encourages okay. him. Okay, so what, what do these? Uh, what do these? Each of these crosses represent? Because it, it looks like a very bad game of spot the ball. I mean, I guess in this in, in this case, spot the tip. But um, like, what, is it is each of these like a time point, or is each of these uh, like what, what what is it? So each of these is is an observation. Like uh, they were taken over several months, actually. But some, you know, sometimes you got a few few in a day. So the um, the, the wonderful ecologists would would hear a flock. They they recognise the song. They go and find them. They look at these tiny little rings on their legs, and they rec- they they can identify which bird it is. They know which flock it is. Oh, hang um, on, hang on. This is, this is not automated data. This is a bunch of people like Bill Oddie going out and <laughs> noting down where these birds are. Yeah, yeah. That, that is incredible dedication. Well, okay, was, in terms that, of, though, were they, were they volunteers? Were they... This, was, this data here was taken by Claire Napper, who's an old PhD student, um, okay. not in, in maths and ecology. So this was her data. Yeah. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, if someone's PhD was like legging it around the countryside in Sheffield. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's so cool. It I is. You, it I would is. have loved it. Awesome. Just pair of wellies, <laughs> clipboard, run around. The, 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 like, I, 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 I work again. on I work on the ecology of bats. And so we have uh, uh, collaborators who go out looking for bats. And one thing that they have to do to because they, they were very interested in bat carcasses, you know, they want to know how they died. So part of the PhD for these students is to train up a dog to sniff for these carcasses. So half your PhD is training a dog. I think uh, that's, that's amazing. Cool. <laughs> okay, that I will amazing. do that PhD for the doctor. <laughs> You'll train dogs for the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool, right. So that, that's your data set. I mean, that's a lovely data set to have. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, yeah we, we've, we tried lots of different ways of writing biology into maths, basically, and sort mm-hmm. of saying... Okay, what's working here? We found out that they they have this this avoidance thing in their memory that's dependent on not only how related the flocks are, but also how the size of the flocks as well. And um, if we sort of just fit that to the data with mathematical equations, we get this, which it's it's um, it's a bit like what we saw with the wolves. Um, so these are kind so of so those uh, contours are sort of what separate them out. The contours, it's a bit like if you have, a, you know, the contours on a, on a geographical map and you've got the highest part of the mountain. These are like showing us the highest part of probability. It's like saying the highest right. likelihood of finding this purple flock is at the top of the mountain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then at the bottom of the mountain, it's less likely to find this purple flock, etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't really look like what we're seeing on the, so, the it just is, so let me throw my credentials out there and, and, and wave, my, wave my tips around for a while. Is, is this work based on the Mark Lewis's algorithms? It is. Right. Yeah, it so is, to so. explain that for the rest of the group, Mark Lewis uh, is a mathematician from Alberta, Canada, a huge name in the field of maths ecology, and he worked a lot on wolves. So he's done some incredible work on, on exactly this, you know, how do wolves sense, you know, where they are, who they are, how they're going to move around, and how do they stop overlapping their territories absolutely beautiful work and what, what's really nice about this is that his work is that they could there was a certain flock but flock a uh, pack of wolves that got destroyed okay. a flock of wolves tom it's a, a flock, flock of wolves. wolves a flock of wolves flew away so they all flew away and then they predicted how the other wolves would spread in and, and then they compared it with data absolutely beautiful so as you said but it doesn't work for the tits though that's interesting 
yeah, well, well, it does. It, it's oh, just okay. um, we, we also do it as sort of another part to the equation where if, I mean, if you look at this data set, you can see all these uh, locations are inside that woodland. If you can tell mm, that's woodland. Mm, mm. Um, it isn't just that that's where the data was collected. It's that that's where the birds are going. So if we sort of put another mechanism in mathematically saying that they prefer the woodland and we actually figured out through, through testing mechanisms that they prefer the centre part. And anyway, fitting that, we, we get something like this, which oh, is our, our models. And what we call these is home ranges. It's a bit like a territory, but the animals aren't territorial. Um, what's the kind yeah. of up, what's the upshot of of your research? Is it does it kind of does it help with kind of conservation, or is it is it just an interesting thing, or what's the kind of is there a kind of is there an outcome or a a, a consequence? Yeah. So the work. Uh, first of all, finds out behaviours that we couldn't find out just from observing the birds or just from looking at the data. Um, if, we had, if we had tags on the birds, we could look at how much their two flocks were interacting over time and we could you know, look at it all the data on the computer. But because we aren't able to do that and we don't have endless field assistants able to watch each, each flock 24 hours a day. It okay, but to be it... clear, I, I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> great i will let bring my some case supervisor know i've got friends in sheffield honestly we're just i've got, I've got my wellies i'm ready anyway sorry brilliant brilliant i will tell him i, I feel um, that the quality of data may drop off if you're all drunk wandering around ah, <laughs> it's not a jolly liz this is serious okay sorry tom um, yeah, I forgot what the question was, but yeah. Uh, oh, right. So, so um, conservation and stuff, what it, it kind of saves the ecologist time. Like for example, what we found here was that the best model was um, the birds prefer the center of woodland, which the ecologists couldn't tell from just observing them. But now they can focus their field work more in the center, at least at the beginning of the season, and it'll help them collect data better. So that's really the, the best use we have here, but hopefully it, it gives us, um, I started off with the wolves, which was territorial animals, and we've known for years how to model those territories using maps. But this is the first time anyone's done it without uh, territorial animals. So now we've kind of given away for lots of ecologists to maybe model animals that aren't territorial. Yes. You know, there's also the idea of, of you know development. So if, you know if I wanted to build a road through the middle of Sheffield here, um, mm -hmm. I you could then simulate what you know because that would be taking away some of the forest. You would remove that from your equation. And you'd be able to say, well, that how that would affect these flocks, because I assume that if the flock gets too small, it gets disbanded and you want to protect these birds. So it has quite a large implication for development. You know, I mean, it's kind of amazing, that actually, you can find. I mean, I, I guess it's sort of obvious, but that you can find something out using your maths that you can't observe. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of astonishing that you can you can kind of find a truth through maths that you can't through just wandering through a wood. We're about um, 60 episodes yeah. in, people watching and listening at home. And I think we've just got through that maths is good to Liz. Well done, everybody. Well done. <laughs> well done. But this is why Natasha's paid the big bucks. This is why, this is why we've got her in. She, you know, she's clear ah. as a bell. I mean, this is the thing. She's working with children. That's why it's working on Liz. I think. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you found my level. Yeah, but Liz totally said what I'm just trying to like have a career in is showing like exactly why maths is useful because we can't mm. we can't do this from observing the birds. But of course, there's so many other applications that Thomas will know loads more about. But but also these things don't exist. 
I mean, you're saying, well, this is the birds truth. Birds don't but, exist. No, <laughs> birds! Well, maybe they don't, but I mean, these, these, these probability distributions here are just that. They're not really... On, on, on this, though, can, can I tell you my favourite conspiracy theory of the moment? Right. Mm-hmm. We're, all, we're all in lockdown because yeah. birds don't exist and the government need to go and change the batteries in them all. <laughs> that, that currently is my favourite conspiracy theory of the moment. Carry on, sorry. But yeah, so I mean, uh, so you, you were sort of saying, well, this is yeah, this reveals some truth about the world, you know. But 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 does it? I mean, it it just tells you how to model the world, and it doesn't really matter which of those is true. But you know, but birds don't say, whoa, well, I wonder where I'm going to be today. I'm, well, that, I'm that's what to... I'm saying. Is we can only say consistency. But the fact that it works so well is that you can then start to interpret and say, if the birds are like this, what does that mean? Yes. So it, yes. It, it's a stepping stone, but you yes. know, it can go further. Yeah, and one thing about mathematical models is we try and find like the most simple model. We started mm. with the interactions, that wasn't good enough. We mm. added in the woodland, and that makes a pretty good model. But of course, that's not the only two reasons that's making a bird move from place to place. There's loads of others. It's, it's about finding which of these. It's, it's <laughs> the magpies, but we don't know where the magpies are. So yeah, it's just finding the most important ones. Although, uh, most important although, mechanisms. I mean, this does offer a suggestion for the next, as we said, Ben, on the next level of research. Why are these tits hiding in the middle of the forest? Do the, uh, do the magpies like to go on the outside? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, a new exactly. hypothesis. Exactly. That's, a, that's a hypothesis that Natasha's work has generated. <laughs> so that gets the new PhD. If you'd like to work with me, uh, email me at uh, woolletwalletcardiff.ac.uk. <laughs> Don't have any fun. Oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Oh, Tiff, I'm sorry. I, I can Liz, hear you. I can Liz. hear you over the plug. Oh, dear. <laughs> like, Liz was saying um, she wanted a doctorate like this. Go uh, find some magpies in Sheffield, Liz. So, yeah, so, all right. <laughs> no, well, I, I don't like them. So, so normally at some point during, uh, you know, we, 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 we tend to have some buzzwords and probably people playing a lot at home will, will miss that we haven't had Lorraine mentioned in this um, podcast yet. Who's that, then? Uh, it's fictional. Um, but I uh, hope she's well, by the way. Uh, but also at some point we tend to bring up Alan Dury. Um, and I understand... Uh, <laughs> no, no, put him away! No! Why do you <laughs> yes. always have to bring up the puppets? Did someone say my name? <laughs> Hello, Ben. Love to see you. Hello, Liz. Love your work. As I always love your work, Liz. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'll... Touch me, Ben. Touch me. Touch me. <laughs> is, is your Alan Turing offensively camp? I know. I, I, I give him a different voice every week. So, I see. You know, I... Fine. Carry this on. week, he's camp Alan Turing. Who knows what he'll be next week? Touch okay. Me. <laughs> Touch me. What has Alan Turing got to do with your work, uh, Natasha? Okay. Um, so, the equations used to understand the birds are similar to those developed by mathematician and Bletchley Park codebreaker Alan Turing to describe how animals get their stripes. So, so, um, so have you been misquoted or, or, or was Alan Turing integral to your work? Um, so the, the way we used, Al, well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain the equations first. We use advection diffusion equations. And, and oh, like me to a Natasha. And Alan over them. there, who I can see now. Yeah. Use reaction diffusion equations. Um, advection, so di- advection diffusion, isn't that your um, aftershave, Liz? <laughs> <laughs> That's a damn good name for an aftershave, actually. I like it. <laughs> Sorry, mm. well, it's a sensible mouse. I smell <laughs> like advection diffusion. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you from Lynx, advection diffusion. <laughs> oh. The smell of mathematician. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but 
what Alan did in his paper is he um, showed a way to figure out which parameters in the model, so which kind of numbers in, in his reaction diffusion models would produce patterns. Okay, so it's a series of um, mathematical um, sort of rules to say, okay, patterns are going to form, mm -hmm. you know, such as the, the leopard and the tiger and whatever. So we did the same thing. We used Alan Turing's theory um, to decide when the patterns, these patterns would form or whether or not no patterns would form. So we used his theory on advection diffusion equations, whereas in his paper, he used reaction diffusion. She's very uh, good, I, isn't what, she? She, she, Alan, she is very good. What's the difference between theory. reaction and advection? Oh, so if we think about um, Liz, two Liz, chemicals Liz, Liz, reacting. Liz, Liz, this is diffusion. Yeah. And this is advection. <laughs> okay. So what is the difference? Liz, and diffusion, yeah. diffusion, advection. It's... I think she asked reaction and advection. Oh, actually. reaction, <laughs> reaction, touch me, Liz. We have a reaction here, touch me. Yeah. Wait, wait, why don't we let somebody sensible explain rather than a finger I'm not a cheering, damn it! You're... <laughs> Natasha, please explain. So a good, a good way to explain it is to say reaction diffusion equations tend to be modelling two quantities that interact with each other, like two chemicals reacting. Mm -hmm. Advection diffusion tends to model um, quantities that are moving in response to say the environment or something else so with the birds the quantities were probabilities mm -hmm. and they were moving in response to where the woodland was and also their memory of where other birds were whereas Choring's reaction diffusion chemicals were moving in response uh, reacting in response to each to other, each other. Okay. so advection's more sense. like movement in a mm -hmm. way okay. Yeah. okay that makes sense I think Alan was right Alan did you what more, do you, what more do you need? <laughs> right. You're all mathematicians. And Tom, you're a, a mathematical biologist and you do, you do things about cells moving and stuff, right? I do. And that's probably what you'll do forever. And Ben, you're a, you're a statistician and you'll do stats stuff forever. And Natasha, you're just going to be Why are you working, with, CV? working with tits for the rest of your life. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> but okay. people like Alan Turing and Einstein and stuff, ah, and I know right. they're like ultra geniuses. Right. But but even even kind of polymaths. What you're saying like, is why are we not polymaths? Well, I just do you get them anymore? Is it do you, do you get people who just sort of do a bit of this, a bit of that? Everyone keeps saying because we're all locked down. Where, during the plague, uh, Isaac Newton invented calculus in the two years of the plague. <laughs> why has no one invented the new calculus? Basically. Uh, and so, who knows? Who knows? You know, coming out of this, you know, there may be some genius out there applying themselves and not talking twaddle on the internet. Uh, but, the, but for every Isaac Newton, there has to be a Ben Parker. Blow, blow, gosh. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think it's a serious question because, yeah, up until, I don't know, you know, uh, t you know turn of the 20th century or even, you know, World War Two, yeah, you know, Maths was done as a sort of recreational thing in some ways that, you yep. know, you had this, uh, you know, and I'm going to be sexist, it's, you know, mostly gentleman mathematicians, mm. you know, there were, and there were a few good exceptions, but it was, you had to be rich, you had to just do it in your spare time. I mean, look at Einstein. Einstein was a genius, but he didn't have a job in mathematics, you know. Worked as uh, a clerk in the um, patent office, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly, yeah. in the patent office. But I mean, also, um, a part of that is that the, the um, subjects were less well-defined. 
previously. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, a doctorate used to be, you know, you did a bit of uh, theology, you did a bit of geometry, you did a bit of this, a bit of that, you know, a bit of politics. And it was m- much more encompassing. So in some ways, you were taught how to be a polymath. Whereas now we're, we're much more segmented in our, in our d- divisions. Yes. Um, and I, I'm not sure, I mean, in some ways that's a good thing because you can be more focused, but mm. you, know, you, you have to spend a lot more time, uh, you know, just be, being an expert on your particular subject, which, which is kind of why I like doing things like this, because, you know, I, I can sort of see similarities in Natasha's work to some of the things that, you know, we, we do in statistics, we do in, in modelling, and, you know, you, you can borrow ideas, mathematical techniques from that and put them elsewhere. Um, and that, that's where you normally get the big steps forward when someone comes from a different field and say i've seen that before have you ever thought about using my technique over here that we use all the time and you go no and then then you get a whole new subfield being created it's actually really quite beautiful when these things happen although what normally happens is then that that area gets saturated as everyone jumps on it and get Mm. funding and so there's no room for you and bitter 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 but I mean, this is exactly the thing that you know Natasha seems to have done, and I know it's sort of you know you've you've used something which already existed, really. You know, differential equations are not new, and Turing's work is not new. To 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 model something entirely new, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a really you know really good thing to do. I, mean, um, I, I often say to my you know anyone who works with me starts working with me is that mathematical biologists don't necessarily tend to do the cutting edge of mathematics biologists don't need the cutting edge of mathematics usually they just need a mathematician to know their work really well they need to know their ins and outs of a pde a partial differential equation so they can make the partial differential equation as easy as possible which comes back to what natasha said earlier is that you it's easy to make complex things complex being able to explain the motion of these birds through how they remember how they work with trees and the underlying forest that's really, as you were saying, Liz, to, to take that bird, that complex biological bird, and to boil it down to a, just a few handful of rules is quite impressive. Yeah, I just think there's so much that mathematicians can do. Like even at the University of Sheffield, you know, I'd meet people in different departments and you start to realise where the similarities are. Mm, but mm. these people perhaps haven't done a maths degree. And, and, you know, they're doing maths, which is amazing. And I just think that we just need, mathematicians should be more available for these I, inter- interdisciplinary projects and things. I fully agree with that. I mean, I, we, we do have a bit of a stereotype of being quite insular and, and working on our own little ideas and things. But we have so many techniques and ideas that we could be using to help everyone. Mm. So I've go got, talk to your resident I've, mathematician people. I've got a whole ton that you guys could do. We're not doing your ironing, Liz. We're not doing your hoovering. We're not doing your ironing. Not those kind of problems. Okay. Although, you know, there might be a mathematical solution to clothes being creased. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, no doubt there is. No doubt there is. But anyway, going back to a point, the sexist point Ben was making, the idea that... Uh, maths was generally done as leisure so you have to be rich mm. and therefore generally male is not always true did you see that segue did you oh, that great segue, yeah, it's, a, a good segue. it's a special day coming up isn't it <laughs> yeah, it is special a special day. so who, who wants to lead in with that um, it's bath time for thomas it's a special day <laughs> <laughs> the first um, tuesday in september no um shall i shall i so so the second uh, I, I learned t- yesterday the second um, Tuesday 
of every October is apparently Ada Lovelace Day. Oh, on that, um, is there any reason why it's the second? Is that her birthday? I've got, I've I don't got no idea. No, I okay. I don't it know. might have been when she died. Oh, right, so right. But I, I always like to throw this out to the, the audience. Oh, audience, if you're watching, put in the below. Why, why 13th of October, the second, the second Tuesday? Why, 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 why? Um, and that's around when the po- this uh, video might be released. Um, around. <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, we thought we would have a little chat about Ada Lovelace, who turns out was bonkers. And I had, I did it. I, I, An incredible I, life. I mean, I, I think I did know that her dad was Lord Byron, but I had definitely forgotten it. And I read that today and I was like, no way! Her dad was fully Lord Byron. Yeah, um, I know. But, but that's why she became a mathematician. One of the things I love about her is she, she, she was sort of pushed into the sciences by her mother because she didn't want her ending up like this layabout poet to her father. I just think <laughs> it's amazing. So I, I should say we've... Um, I have a book that we were given when I when my daughter was born. Um, a, I think it's it's a kind of range called like Little People, Big Ideas or something. Okay, yeah. And it's a book about Ada Lovelace. And so I had this kind of small amount of information from this children's book where um, it starts her, Ada's mother liked maths and her father liked poetry. Um, <laughs> and um, and so I, I kind of, I knew a very little bit of, about her that she was a she was a female mathematician um which was very unusual for her time and she worked with charles babbage on the development of computers calculators i mean you're doing really well i mean you keep going and she's kind of widely credited with having written the first computer program certainly certainly that was what she was doing with babbage i mean if you look at the wikipedia page of the people she interacted with and her tutors it's a who's who of the mathematicians of the time babbage uh, De Morgan, uh, uh, Somerville, Mary Somerville, absolutely, no, if you had teachers like that, absolutely magnificent to, to do. So there's no doubt she could have been incredible, but she died far too early, wasn't it? it was like, 36, I think, was so, she? Yeah, it was in her 30s, it was incredible. And this was her work with uh, De Morgan. Uh, so De Morgan was a big mathematician who did complex analysis. We don't need to go into any of that. But, you know, big mathematician for his time. And he was one of her tutors. And what's brilliant about that, the, the, the Bodleian Library in Oxford have a load of their correspondences, so they sent letters to each other. And they, this actually has both their handwritings on. So they, they would work together on things. And you know, I, I've just shown up a picture now. Ben, Natasha, do you know what this is? I think any mathematician would know immediately what, what they're looking at. Here. Has your daughter been practicing her drawing again? No, no, this is, this is Ada Lovelace and, and, and De Morgan. I think I know. What would you say then? Uh, is it something to do with a plan for the difference engine? No, no, no. This is this is the Bridges of Conishburg. Oh, it's the Bridges of Conishburg. Oh, okay, yeah. So you didn't know what it was. Okay, uh, any mathematician apart from Ben Tash would know. That <laughs> I, this is the, I see it, it now. So yes, the Bridges. In fact, we'll we'll use this in the puzzle zone later. But there was the uh, a, a problem around the time, a, a wonderful problem that's still used today to teach network theory was. Can you draw this shape what, without taking your pen off the paper? Do you, do you know what I did today, Tom? By the what, way? Did you go to a conference? I, I went to a conference on network theory. Ah! So you, why did you not spot this, Ben? <laughs> it's, it's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what Konigsberg was set up like. You had to, so the, the story goes that in Konigsberg, uh, which was in the 17th century of Prussia, I think, 17th or 18th, I can't remember. The, on a Sunday morning, they didn't have Xbox or TV to play with. They would walk around the city 
And the big game of the time is Konigsberg was, was a city on a river like this, and you had uh, two banks and then two islands in the river. And so, and there were multiple bridges, these seven bridges connecting all the islands and all the land. And we'll use this again in the puzzle zone. Could you walk around Konigsberg using every bridge once and only once? And that, and that was, you know, the, the, the people would walk around on Sunday, trying all this, these different maneuvers, and they couldn't seem to do it. And it took a mathematician called Leonard Euler to prove why it couldn't be done. And like I say, we still use this now. And when I see one of my friends, the, the, the inimitable Josh Bull, as we all know, he did a project with the Bodleian. Uh, and he showed me, this is from the Clay Institute uh, archive, but he had a photo of this. He'd taken it on his mobile phone. And he was showing me, it's like, you can immediately see that she was doing the same work that I would do. And it, it's so beautiful to have that connection spanning centuries. So what has uh, this got to do with Lovelace then? I missed, I missed that point. Ada, this was Ada's work. That Ada and uh, Charles, uh, not Charles Babbage, Ada and De Morgan were doing oh, So this, this was just her sort of learning the theories of, well, this wasn't her, what she, I mean, because this had already been done at the time. Oh yeah, yeah but th this is her being taught. And I think it's actually um, one of the sort of side issues. I think uh, De Morgan, I think, because there's all these papers which tell you all the things that they were doing at the time. And I think this is sort of sort of a, a side recreation of, oh, did you know this? I've heard this, you know. Because I've, I've kept all my university notes. Um, so <laughs> do you want to buy some now? Because like, if I'm ever famous, then... I mean, this um, is it, this is it. But I mean, it, like I say, you can, you can see the word there, no return. Can you go over the bridge with no returns? And I don't know what they were quite doing, but they've got five equals four down here. I don't, I don't know quite what that's <laughs> But you've also got here, and it seems to be they're doing Vedic multiplication. I don't know if you've ever seen that, where you can do multiplication with lines. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you're, a, you're an ex-teacher, right? Ex-math yeah, teacher. Yeah. So that's a, it's the sort of, that's the sort of thing that... It's a good filler lesson when you don't have anything to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that, isn't it? <laughs> a bit of a if you ever want to fill a lesson, do the Bridges of Conchberg. And, and I just think that's, that's wonderful. Um, you know, even up in this top corner, they're saying, you know, can you draw this shape without taking your pencil off the pen off the paper? And, and you can see people have tried below. So probably De Morgan would have done it at the top and she would have tried below, you know, copying him, trying. I, I, that's wonderful. We don't see people learning maths enough like this. I, 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 I'm gushing over it because I really like it. Speaking of people learning maths, you, I think you mentioned earlier that you're doing a bit of related outreach work in primary schools, Natasha. Mm -hmm. So what's That's that about? So I don't think we, we did it on the camera, so please tell us because it sounds so interesting. Brilliant. Ah, so so when we look at uh, how patterns might form, for example, in, in uh, these Turing systems where we look at how leopards get their spots, for example, we sort of start off with a, you know, a rectangle of, of, of some mess of pattern colours and eventually a structure forms and we end up with maybe a spotted pattern. So as that happens through time, you can sort of snapshot parts of time. So you've got snapshots of different patterns. And we're trying to get uh, different primary schools to each do a snapshot of, of oh, time. Oh, that's amazing. So let me just show, share my screen once again, because I, I do love a good Turing pattern. So <laughs> here, here is my website where, where I have uh, a Turing pattern lovely working away there. Let me, let me refresh this so you can... Tom. There we go. Tom. Perfect. Have I got any Turing patterns on me? Your digit formation of your fingers may be uh, the the how the question is how do your fingers these ones you know, how, yeah those ones they're out there your fingers 
Lovely fingers, yeah. Also, the uh, the hairs, how your hair is growing. Your hair, yes, you're the certainly if you're a mouse, anyway. (laughs) Yes, yes, yeah. Natasha, I'm not a mouse. (laughs) It was a good guess. So yeah, you get you you get biology a lot because it's it's the simplest idea really. It creates patterns through simple rules, and that's what we're all about. You know, biology can be as complex as it like with complex rules, but what's the simplest we can get away with? And that's what we try. And that's why Turing patterns are used so much because they're so, I mean, I love them just looking at them, watching them evolve and appear like that, I think. But no, t- sorry, Natasha, we've gone off. The, tell us, how are you using these What kids? are you doing with primary schools? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, I, I so we're, uh, they're not quite forming the whole thing because that would be madness as a, as if we sort <laughs> of, if we sort of like draw a grid over this square, we can see on screen, you know, really tiny cells of a grid. Each, each pair of, of children, uh, kids, a sort of doing a few calculations around that which mm. will be the same calculations a computer would be doing to produce this pattern now they're using integer numbers as well nice okay okay so is it i mean, have nice say, divisions and and things and um, so it's not you know quite the same numbers a computer would be using yeah but it's the same algorithm that the computer's doing so, so like, once 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 i get it you know, once you get all the com- children's computations you should be able to slot them together and form sort of a discretized version of what we're seeing here. Yeah, they, they won't do quite enough to actually create this, but we'll fill in the gaps. So okay. I'll fill okay, in the gaps. Happening. They'll do a little bit. Um, and what we, we, we have this idea of the two chemicals being fire and water. Oh, very nice. Uh, which you, you may have heard that uh, kind of idea before. And, and so that they're thinking about fire and water and fire creates burnt patches. Yep. And maybe one of these colours we can see on screen, maybe the red part is what the fire's created. Um, and they, they follow these ideas. So perhaps so they might get... have an idea of what's going on. Perhaps they won't. But... So this is getting children used to the idea of, a, of an algorithm, essentially. You're like yeah. them a process to follow and saying that with you know, very simple rules, you can get very complex patterns. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> and that wow. so I'm being I'm being really we've we've talked about algorithms before on this podcast and and me saying so tell me what an algorithm is probably concerning Tom and Ben a bit but so an algorithm we're, we're just talking about a thing where you put something in there's some maths in it and then something pops out the yeah. other end. Right? Well, that's more like a black bo- a black uh, black box model. When we say algorithm, what we mean is a recipe. Huh. It, it, it's as simple as the idea of a recipe. You know, you put your mark number in, every time something happens and you get your result out. Oh, that's the difference engine. And, and this to is... sort of relate it, to relate it back to Ada Lovelace. Um, so, yeah, Lovely Ada segue Lo- then. Lovely oh, segue. gosh. Did you, you see how smooth that was if you hadn't pointed that out? <laughs> uh, to relate it back to Ada Lovelace, if, um, uh, you know, she, she's claimed to be the world's first um, uh, computer programmer and uh, Babbage was designing this thing called the difference engine which I think was never built in his lifetime. It was never built. He, what what right. I love about this story is that he got some money together to build um, one, the difference engine one, but then he couldn't be bothered. So he built an even bigger, well, he, he sketched out the plans for an even bigger one and said, I need even more money. And he got it and just didn't bother. <laughs> what, what a madman. He's a brilliant. You know, apparently, I, I read today, that he and Ada Lovelace fell out because she was going to write a paper and he wanted the introduction to the paper to um, have that he wanted to write this kind of introduction that said the government isn't giving me giving me enough money. Um, and she said, no, that would be weird. And apparently they, they, things were cool between them for years after that. Oh, really? um, I didn't know so that. I'm amazed that he got the money and then didn't didn't bloody do it. 
I know. I know. So, think they like partying, didn't they? Those two. I think they yeah. did, but I would. Oh God, could you imagine going to a party with Lovelace and Byron and Babbage <laughs> complaining about his funding? Uh, but 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 no, I mean, so so they came up with this thing, and um, I, you know, I've read some of the original work just briefly. I don't, I don't know anything much about it, but but th this was kind of designed to solve what we probably call now differential equations, yeah. which I, I imagine is you know related to what what Natasha is doing, you know. Put, predicting the motion of these birds and you know that they, you know they, they a differential equation is an equation which de defines motion really um, so this was quite useful in the middle of the last century because you know you wanted to attract the sun or track how ships were moving well, yeah, the, they, they used it to um, similar things like this one called the kelvin engine uh, which did get made and they used it to track tides because that was very useful for you know exactly. england being an island uh, great britain being an island so you were a very naval it's a naval thing. And how this worked is it's a bit like a sewing loom. You'd put some punch cards in somewhere and you'd literally turn the handle and after a while some numbers would come up, I think, on this. Uh, on was, this it, well, was it punch card based? It was, it was that they, they talk about punch cards as in a loom. So okay. um, if you were, I don't know if you've seen a knitting machine, Liz, but you essentially would put in a punch I card. I had a knitting machine. Did you? Yeah, when I was You were following yeah. an algorithm. You would, that, that's how you and that's, yes. an that's an algorithm. It's a, a series of simple rules, and you tell the knitting machine what to do, and it comes out with a jumper. And and that, 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 that's literally an algorithm. Your algorithm produced a jumper. This algorithm yes. would produce the solution. I, I don't think we produced a jumper with it. No, it was ah. a toy. Yeah, well, did you produce a little <laughs> bit of a scarf? We did do some knitting. Yeah, we did some. You know, I do you know actually I think I think it was given to my sister actually. I think I think I've just uncovered something quite painful where my sister had a knitting oh. machine and I wanted it. Right. Next week we want a live demo. But yeah, it's the same <laughs> thing. So you'd you'd punch you'd punch your card in, instead of getting a knitting pattern, instead of a knitting pattern, you'd have a sort of equation or or an algorithm which tells you what to do at each time step. And every time you turn the handle, another calculation would be done. And you'd uh, eventually get some numbers out, which tells you how high the tide was, or yep. where the tits were, or whatever it happened to be. Um, so an algorithm, an algorithm is just a series of sequence that will happen again and 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 again. And I don't know whether I dare ask this because we've been we've been going for a long time. But how does that make computers work? Well, same idea. It's the same thing. idea. Just it, with that one, it used ball bearings and cogs and levers. And, and next time we record, I will use my Turing tumble because it's a beautiful analog computer. But it's doing the exact same thing. Here we use electricity to make a bit. Something will change and it will click on, and that becomes mm -hmm. a one. The next one clicks on and that becomes a two, and then that one clicks off and that you know becomes three. So that it's just a mechanical version of what we're doing electronically. But what and I'll be using kids. Ah, you'll be using it. I still <laughs> love this idea. My Turing tumble uses marbles to switch these things. So I just imagine you just go dropping kids and pop them up, them up, them up. I'm still not convinced that you're not a kind of mad, evil scientist, <laughs> Natasha. <laughs> I've not done the project yet, so you know. No, well, when when think... will your project be done? When, when should we look out for this? Well, we're, we're aligning it with the uh, the Bank of England releasing their £50 note with Turing on it. With Hazel and Turing! With, we're talking them into being involved at the moment where well, we haven't really had a big okay yet, but you know, oh, good. I mean, this will, this will support that. You know, tell them that you're on a map yeah, watch, and they'll. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I'll, I'll send it to them. Um, okay. And I don't know when we, I don't know when that'll be, you know, with everything that's going on with the economy. 
Yeah, the, good, the good news is the £50 note will be worth about 200 quid by the time that that goes out. So. <laughs> with that, shall we go to the puzzle zone? The puzzle zone! The puzzle zone! My puzzle was, and don't say a word, Ben, because I... Hmm. On the first morning, a monk gets up and walks at 9am. He, he goes at 9am, walks to the top of the mountain to see the sunset. Beautiful sunset. And stays at the top of the mountain. The next morning, 9 a.m. What day is it? Shut up. Sees the sunrise. And at 9 a.m., beautiful sunrise, beautiful sunset. At 9 a.m., the monk walks back down the mountain, same path, to their home. Can we guarantee, is there a point in that route that the monk on the first day would reach at the same time as the monk on the second day? Liz, did you have, a th did you have any thoughts? No. No. No, let's. Tom, Tom, I'm, Tom, I'm just Tom this every, every week, every week. Well, let, let's let's do some thinking, right? Okay, let's do some yeah. thinking. Well, then well, Natasha, Natasha's like a proper mathematician, so she's probably be, no. But um, so he goes up on the first day. So he must cross himself, right? Why? 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 This is it. Why? Why must? They can take a different path, or is it the same path? It's the same path. Uh, but he's faster on the way down. Faster on the way down because he's coming. No, actually, down. he wouldn't. He wouldn't necessarily cross himself because. Well, but, but he does. Oh I no, would, he I would, would. He would because. Okay, because he's he starts at the same point each day. So no, he's no, no, on... he start, no. He starts at the top of the mountain on the second day, bottom of the mountain yeah. on the first day. Thank you, Ben, for this. This is lovely. <laughs> oh no, I'm really confused. So, but at the, at the same time, but we're effectively talking about the same day because we're talking about whether he would cross himself. Well, that, that's exactly the, the right thinking. This is, I didn't think about this, but you, carry on with this. This is it. This is beautiful. So, he, so at 9am on both days, he is on the mountain. He starts, so on 9am on the first day, bottom. 9am yeah. on the second day, top. Yeah. But let's ignore the first and second day. Let's just say it's the same day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So two he's, monks. So, he's, um, so they definitely cross each other because they're, def because they're on the mountain at the same time. At some point, they will meet each other. Yes. Yes, and that's it. So you can always guarantee, but to, to know exactly when, you'd have to put all the variables in of he's going at velocity v1 on the morning, on the blah, blah, blah. Don't care. All we ask is, can we guarantee that they will meet? Them? There is a point, and yes, we can, by exactly as you said. Beautiful, beautiful logic there, Liz. Thank you. If, if we put them on the same day and set them going at 9 a.m., who knows where it will be, but we can guarantee that they he would meet himself, his clone, if you like, at some point because they're using the same path. The puzzle for this week, Liz, for you to think about next time. Okay, but we you will... have to remind me, I tell you every time, Tom, you gotta remind me to think about it. So here is the basic sketch of Conchbo. We have A, B, C, D, three pieces of land. You can start anywhere you like, you can finish anywhere you like. Can I start on a bridge? You, no, you have to start on A, B, C, or D. You have to start on the piece right. of land. Uh, can you? Traverse the entire path of, of bridges once and only once. That is your task. And as I say, this was done in the 17th, 18th century, and people were playing around with this a long time ago, and they solved it. So Liz, you've, you've got to beat some 17th, 18th century mathematics. Have I got to say, because it seems to me quite obvious that you can't. But well, why can't you? But this is the thing, do I need to be able to say why I can't? You have to be able to say why you can't. So let, let, me, let me annotate this. Can I? Ooh, this is going to be interesting. So let's say if we start an A. Where, I'm going to start an A, Liz. Where would you like me to go as a first? I'd like you to go um, into the middle of B. Into B, right. Okay. We've, so we've used that path. Then across to C. 
Across the sea. Then back to A. Back to A. Across to. I mean, we, we've got to C. We've got to C. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I'd like you to go. We've got to go to D. Yeah. And then, and then we're stuck. You see. Well, we can either go to B or C. I mean, as you say, well, we go yeah. to C. We can't go to B. We go to B. We can't go to C. Either so of them have a pub. C does have many a pub, so you're you're fine. Okay. But but can you prove that you can't start anywhere and finish anywhere that you can do it? So that was one path. That doesn't prove anything. That proves that that mm -hmm. path doesn't work. But can okay. you prove it completely? So there, there's your task for next time. I think and with that, let's 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 wrap this up. Let's. Uh, so this is the thing we do in Natasha. We 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 choose random scoring uh, schemes and a random point upon that scheme. Let's <laughs> mark. Natasha's uh, a thesis. Thanks. <laughs> <I'll do that>. <laughs> <laughs> I can give this to my examiners, so that'd be good. So, yeah. so I, I will choose I will choose a scale of Ada Lovelace to Turing. And I I will give her a babbage. I I think some good work. Um, she may not do anything with the money we give her. It's a long time but, since I've had a babbage, Tom. But I, I'd, I'd like to see what she can achieve with the money we give her, which is nothing because all the guests are free. Anyway, ben, is ben. <laughs> um, I'm ranking on a scale of zero to the great tit, and I'm going to have a cold tit. A nice cold, oh, that's cold not a very good one. Yeah, that's not, I, I, not a warm tit, you're going cold. Cold, cold tit. Cold. Oh, right. oh, right. I think cold. Right. Sorry. sorry. Uh, and Liz. And Liz. What um, so I, I'm ranking Natasha's, Natasha's thesis, am I? Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to rank it on a score of zero to one because of binary. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And um, I'm going to give it a one because it's super interesting and I've massively enjoyed Aww. hearing about it. Um, so um yeah i can't wait till um i, I can't Those wait are, to see that what you do next I mean, i'm gonna hand liz's like... score to the examiners the one. Okay. <laughs> well i mean it depends what they're scoring out of <laughs> i think you better give it some context you know, 100 percent. 100 yeah uh so but do you, do you have a date for your viva yet you... not yet i'm awaiting one ah okay so well probably november i think the thank you thank you we will feed back to the audience because they're all waiting there. Did she pass? Did she pass? Of course she will have passed. She's done some amazing work. Um, and with that, I have been Thomas Woolley. I am still Ben Parker. I have been Liz. And I'm Natasha. Thank you very much for joining us. We have been maths at winning at maths, losing at life. Good night. This podcast is a Random Walks production performed by Thomas Woolley, Ben Parker and the enigmatic Liz. Intro and outro music was Clonky Donkey by Nikolai Heidlas, and the incidental stings were Cartoon Bank Heist from YouTube Audio Library. <laughs>